Welcome to Divine Downloads. I'm your host, Cassandra Bodzak, and today we have an extra, extra special episode for you. We are getting some answers from the afterlife with our host, author, Nancy Dannison. Nancy has died three different times and had three different near-death experiences where she went into the afterlife and downloaded so many knowings um, about how manifestation works, about what the afterlife is and what we experience there of the truth of our souls and I am just ecstatic ecstatic to share this interview with you I do want to let you know um, that some of the information in this interview might be triggering depending on certain belief systems you may hold and I just ask you to keep an open mind um, and um, hear this incredible experience of Nancy's. Um, and if you're anything like me, if you ground down into your heart center and listen from your heart, you're going to find that so, so, so much of it rings so true on a soul level. So without further ado, let's dive in. All right, so let's just dive in. Okay. Okay, Nancy, I am so excited to speak with you today. Um, this, you know, for my listeners, they know I've been doing this podcast for years. Um, I rarely even bring on guests anymore. I'm super picky. Um, and I was ecstatic when um, I was introduced to you because I had been on my own journey reading about near-death experiences because I lost my grandma in uh in January this year and she was like we were very very close um in Aww. life and still have been very close in her being in her spirit form and it set me off on this path where I just felt so guided um after her passing to read all of these books <laughs> on NDEs um, which for anyone who's listening and doesn't know what an NDE is, it's a, um, a near death experience and it's an experience and feel free to pop in and correct me here if, if you think it's wrong, but an experience where someone clinically, you know, in hospital terms passes away, um, has a, some sort of mystical experience in that time and then is resuscitated. Is, is that correct? Yes, except that I would say instead of having a mystical experience, I would say we enter the afterlife. We enter the afterlife. We, we start living in the afterlife and then return. You start living. I love that. And that's why I've been so fascinated about it because um, so my grandma, actually, I never got to speak to her about her experience, but she did have before she officially passed on, she had um a moment where she passed away and was dead for four minutes and then was brought back. And I was always, um, I always had a feeling that she had experienced something there that made her even more ready to go when she went or comfortable with going maybe is a better way of saying it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, but anyway, I think, I think we 
have to kick off, and, and I know I'm sure you've told this story so many times, but just for the context of the other concepts we're going to get into in this podcast, um, would you mind telling the listeners about your near-death experience? Well, I've had I mean, great. I mean, like just the context of it, of like how you passed away and maybe where you're at in your time, where you were at um, in your life in that moment. So we can kind of contrast it to some of the realizations that you've had. Okay. Um, well, I've had three afterlife experiences. The first one is the one I call the big one. Uh, that's, that's the one that I got all the information in. Briefly, I was an attorney. I've been practicing law for, I don't know, how many years? <laughs> uh, but um, my law firm was kind enough to have a mobile mammography unit come to our parking lot. And so all the women in the firm were able to go out and get a mammogram. And so I did. And it was discovered that I had um, lesions in, in my breast. So I was in for, um, I, they would call it a lumpectomy now. Um, and before they, the surgeon did the lumpectomy, I had a procedure where a radiologist stuck a large needle with a wire inside of it into my breast twice. Uh, and all that was used was a local anesthetic for the skin. And that caused me to die from a combination of factors. I went into the light, was completely saturated with unconditional love, bliss, and acceptance. That's the thing that surprised me was that complete and total acceptance of me and who I was and what I had done, no matter how horrible I had been in human life. I saw my body uh, while I was down in the mammography room while I was in the afterlife. I was told about manifesting and that we literally manifest the physical experiences that our human bodies have. And I was shown three times in the afterlife how that works. So I manifested three different extremely earth-like environments just by thinking the words. I met my five most beloved eternal friends who were in the form of what I was calling at the time beings of energy or energy beings. I since started calling them beings of light because that's what other near-death experiencers call them. I had a life review which I pretty much ignored because at the same time, I got back all the memories of the hundreds and hundreds of other physical lifetimes I had lived all over the universe, all kinds of creatures and things. And I thought that was a lot more interesting. Oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, after that, I, oh, I was given the answers to my most burning questions, which were, what is God? What am I? What does God expect of me? What's the purpose of life? Where's heaven? Where's hell? And what's the one true religion? Because I was a Roman Catholic and I had been taught my whole life that that was the one true religion. And I was just curious to see how true that was. Oh my God. Well, we're going to have to ask you all those answers. <laughs> <laughs> well, the answers were nothing remotely similar to what my church had taught me or what my, my parents or teachers had taught me. And I was so angry that I hadn't been told the truth. You know, I felt like what did people think I was too stupid to understand the truth or 
you know, this is so simple. The afterlife and source and life and death, everything is so beautiful and simple. Why was that information held from me? And I think in response, I was shown a documentary type history of Earth from its creation to its demise and how religions developed among humans, you know, over the, the eons and eons. And after that, I, I moved into a, a different stage of afterlife. The afterlife, afterlife is just life. And just like in human life where there are stages where you've got childhood, adolescence, adulthood, seniors, like I am now, in the afterlife, there are stages. And I moved into another stage where we, because we're pure energy, and pure energy and intelligence can merge our energy into another light being and experience their lives, their physical lives, either as them or as us. And I was wow. doing, I spent a long time doing that. I, I could merge into one of, I met my five you know, dearest friends. They were my eternal beloved friends, none of whom I'd ever experienced in you know, the physical world. But I could merge into one or two or three or four or all five of them at the same time and experience their lives vicariously. And I was told that I had to get used to doing that because the next stage was doing the same thing with the core energy of source. Now, the, the God that I got to know intimately and, and merged into wasn't anything like a human. It's an energy source. It's the creator of the universe, and it's, I guess it's kind of closer to a sun, you know, the sun than it is to a human being. But it was this intelligent, loving, creative, funny, uh, everything you can imagine that's good and wonderful energy source. You had personality and character traits. While I was blending into or awakening as the source, I saw the entire creation of the universe from the beginning, and I watched it as Nancy. I remembered it as source. And then I had this like, um, oh, not a voice exactly, but information coming into my head explaining what was going on. So I not only watched it, but I, I got knowings about what was going on. Wow. When that when that was over, I literally woke up to the realization that I was never this poor, miserable little human creature. That I was never alone. I was never cast out there with no help and no support but that in fact I am source and that the character that I know of as Nancy is really just one of the many many personalities within source and that I chose to incarnate and I chose and created all the events of my life it was mind-blowing I 
I can't, I can't imagine. I have so many, so many questions. <laughs> okay. From, well, we'll let you continue though. I'll let you well, I've just got a little bit more. Um, after all this information and experience, you know, I kept saying to myself, particularly after I watched that history of religions on earth, I kept asking, saying to myself, somebody ought to tell those people. Well, somebody ought to tell those people. And the next thing I know, I'm on my way back to my body. And I'm saying, I didn't mean me. <laughs> <laughs> and my, my five light being friends were repeating over and over in my ears. Love is all that matters. Love is all that truly matters. And I kept repeating over and over, shut up. I'm trying to memorize all this stuff that I learned. <laughs> and I, I, I got back into the body and it took, from the time that the radiologist and the radiology technician found me, uh, it took a half an hour for my blood pressure to come back up to normal. And they went ahead and went, went forward with the surgery. But it changed my life profoundly. I decided to leave my 270 attorney prestigious law firm and go out on my own. And I haven't looked back since. Wow. Oh my God. That is just incredible. Um, incredible. I, yeah, I have so many, I have so many questions. So go, go for it. <laughs> like so many questions. Okay. So, and I even put out some questions to uh, my audience too, and they had some questions for you too. Um, okay, so first of all, I just have to say, because I got tingles all over when you describe source as sun, because I've had, I'm a big meditator. And uh, recently on my birthday, I had my most magical, I'm going to call it magical for like a better word, experience ever where I felt like I went to source. And I felt like I plugged in and I instantly started like, um, just feeling like exactly what you said. And when people were asking me, like, what is like God look like? Cause it, you know, I called it God. Right. But I understand why you call it source because that like, that's what I was like the, like the best earthly comparison I could think of was the sun, but like yeah. a son of love. Yes. Um, and so that, that's just incredible, but okay. So, so many questions. So first question, um, is were you, when you were on this, when you were in the afterlife, was there an awareness that you had just died? And did you have like, were you like, Oh, bummer, I just died. Was that like a, a, a consciousness there? When I first went into the light, I had no idea I died. I was trying to diagnose my condition. You know, <laughs> I, like, what's I, going I, on? I could, yeah, I could see, I could hear, I could feel, uh, I didn't have any smell. I, could see through the back of my head so I didn't have a solid body and then all this information started flooding into my mind you know kind of like every topic I'd ever wondered about while I was in human form started flooding into my mind I still wow. didn't think I'd, I had no idea that I died because I was more alive than I'd ever been you know and more conscious more aware and this love you know and acceptance were just blowing me away but I knew something had happened and that I was not going to go back to human life because I missed some things about human life. I missed chocolate. <laughs> I missed food and the wind and the sun <laughs> and rain. Um, yeah. But it, it wasn't until later that um, 
when I was creating those or manifesting those various scenarios um, that were very earth-like, that I realized I must have died. And I mm. said, nah, I couldn't have died because I heard you, you know, went into a tunnel, you know, into the light. And I didn't do that. Well, the very first thing I manifested was a tunnel. <gasps> and it wasn't a tunnel into the light. It was like a dirt tunnel with a railroad trellis above it. And it was smelly and moldy and full of insects and from like maybe the 1920s. Oh, um, my God. And like, no, wrong image, wrong image. Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's. Well, that's that, something you mentioned. You mentioned that in the book that I found fascinating that you actually, uh, and again, please correct me if I got this wrong, but you said in the book that, and her book's backwards and you should absolutely read it. I'm going to put a link below because you find this fascinating. She goes into more depth than we could humanly get in this hour um, in the book, but that you you think that we even manifest our afterlife experience as far as like if if you come if you have a certain uh, image of like the pearly gates or certain religious figures and stuff you believe that you will manifest seeing that right early on in the crossing over see when we souls leave the body and, and cross over we think we're human and and we still have human beliefs but we have these supernatural powers. We have the ability to, with a thought, create a physical environment. And so that's what we do. You know, once somebody realizes that, you know, they're crossing over, that they've died, they start manifesting into physical reality that's completely real to them, whatever wow. they expect the afterlife to be. You know, beautiful garden, pearly gates, you know, angels, you know, whatever. Um, but as we transition very gently back to our eternal spiritual selves that thinking like a human falls away and that that wanting to live in human environment falls away and is there an awareness of the loved ones you've left behind in that space if you want it to be hmm i you know I, like I said, I met my five most beloved eternal friends, but both my parents had died and I didn't see them. I didn't see my dead sister and grandparents. I didn't see any of those pe people that I had loved in human life. But so, one, of, yeah, one of the things I learned in the afterlife is that when we incarnate, we only put part of our energy into the physical life. The rest of it stays in the afterlife. So you never actually leave your loved ones. You know, everybody that you love and everybody that loves you, you're all in, you know, mental contact and telepathy all the time. And the part of you that's incarnated just seems like it's asleep. Wow. Wow. And so, so you believe that we absolutely could have like telepathy and mental contact or um, communication with, uh, loved ones that are in the afterlife while we're here on earth? Yes, but I think the easiest way to do it is through dreaming. Mm. You know, it, it's really, because, you know, as I mentioned, you know, we transition in the afterlife and we kind of get over being human. Yeah. Once, once we've gone through that, we don't really have any interest in, you know, what's going on on earth. 
and we're not worried about our loved ones because they're right there with us in the afterlife. You know, we, we don't care what's happening to a part of them that's having this dream of human life. Um, so Wow. So that's really interesting. So you yeah. would say like, I often wonder like if I'm, you know, sometimes I try to, you know, I'll write like little letters to my grandma or, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then I think like, is she too busy? Like just doing her own thing right now to, <laughs> to be well, paying attention to what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, that could be. And it's also, uh, there's no time in the actual life. Time is a, a artificial construct of human life because humans live in a linear fashion. Once we get out of these bodies, everything's all at once. There's no linear to it. Yeah. So, you know, the people who love us in the afterlife don't have any idea how long it's been you know, since they made contact. So that's what yeah. I, think. I think it's easier to contact them through dreaming and you set your intention before you go to bed that you're going to talk to your grandmother and then mm -hmm. watch your dreams. And what will happen is if the person in the afterlife is able to get through to you, they'll appear in a dream, not wow. as, not as a, you know, like a functioning character. They'll just kind of pop in there and start talking to you. Yes. Wow, that's great. Um, and so you mentioned kind of this experience of like the life review and also having chosen, you know, our path um, when we're here. Do you think that we, do you feel like we, do we choose though, like when we, when we, when we come and when we leave, do we choose uh, the way that we die or, you know, return to source? We do pre-plan what I call an exit strategy, mm. but circumstances change. You know, we manifest physical life moment to moment. And so the exit strategy that we may have had in mind just isn't going to work. Or it's going to take too long. The other thing <laughs> is we, and, and this I hope comforts those who have lost, you know, pre-birth children and, and live children. Once we've completed the goal we set for ourselves in human life, we go back to the afterlife. So for the, the soul that's leaving, it's a celebration. It's wonderful. It's success. Wow. For the, for the humans left behind, it's a terrible, terrible tragedy. So, so from that perspective of the knowledge that you gain in the afterlife, you, like you said, even if it's a kid or a baby, and, and while of course that's a tragedy here on earth, you believe that a soul couldn't be taken too soon, like they have to complete their, whatever I their was, assignment was. I was told no one dies before their time. That's why there are millions and millions of near-death experiencers. Because they die, but it wasn't their time. Yeah. So they come back. Yeah. And did, did anybody tell you or did you have, like, did some, when you were going through this before you got sent back, was there anybody like, you know, well, nice seeing you, but it's not your time yet. We'll see you in a bit. <laughs> no, I was told it was my time. Huh. And the only reason that I came back was because I kept saying, somebody ought to tell those people, you know, all this stuff. Um, wow. So you've been manifested re, re coming into your body, essentially, right? Through that thought. I guess. 
you know, I was, I was You're like for better really, or worse. <laughs> well, I was never really sure whether I chose it or source, you know, the core entity, the big entity source chose it. Yeah. Well, it's such a gift. It's such a gift to have you back. And it's such a gift to have all of the knowledge and like, I, you know, just reading your book and all of the, this knowledge that you even shared right now about what's going on. I mean, what, what a gift to have someone on earth to be able to communicate this truth. And, you know, from, from just the comfort of like how much that for my heart brings so much comfort in knowing that no one can go before their time. Right. Um, and, and as even as hard as that might be for our human, I feel like there's just, you know, when you say that there is this like kind of uh, essence of truth inside of me, for lack of a better word, that's like, yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> um, well, the other and- thing we can do is we can, um, like what I've done is I have promised my body that I won't leave her again until she's ready. Mm. So we can choose to stick around. Wow! In order to take care of and, and you know be there for our bodies while while they go through the rest of their lives and the dying process. And what? How do you think this all affects the um, like the concept of like let's say you get a diagnosis and you like how you go about that, right? Let's just say like, maybe it's not even a diagnosis. It's as simple as like taking really good care of your body and eating healthy and, you know, taking all the supplements or doing whatever protocol. Like, do you, do you feel like that's important more so or less so now after this experience? I think it's very important. And I did before I died. But what I learned in the afterlife is that the healing energy modalities are the most powerful. You know, mm-hmm. healing touch, um, chronic healing, you know, any, any kind of healing that uses energy uh, because that's source at work. I also learned that we have been given the power to heal our bodies and our emotional states. Now there are some things that obviously because of biology, we can't heal. Like, you know, we're not going to regrow a missing limb, but within the bounds of biology, we have the power to self heal. And how do you, how does that process? And maybe this question also goes back into sharing what you learned about manifestation in the afterlife, right? Because that would kind of be a manifestation process, would it not? Some of it is a manifesting process. Some of it is really just the using the strength of will and character we souls have to stop our human hosts from damaging themselves. You know, it's like anybody anybody who's recovering from an addiction can tell you that it's extremely hard and it's beyond human capability. It takes the strength of will and the superpowers of the soul to do something like that. But we can do that with 
any area of our life that's not healthy. We can decide we're going to change that and just take control of the body and change the behavior. Yeah. Wow. And so does this, for you, um, does that process like require, do you have a meditation pra practice or uh, a tuning back into source or anything like that that you do? Meditation, uh, not meditation, but manifesting was such an important topic when I was in the afterlife that I was literally told humans misunderstand it and that there's this theory going around. I didn't know what the theory was. I didn't <laughs> find that out until later. It was called the law of attraction. Um, that, you know, p the souls inside human bodies just don't have any idea what kind of ability they have. Um, and so I was three different times in three different ways shown and explained about manifesting. And yes, for, us, self, yeah, for <laughs> self for self healing or anything else, it's a very simple formula, but it's hard to do if you have never tried it. The formula is attention and intention. We have to pay attention to what it is we want to change in our lives. And then we have to form the intention at the soul level to make that change or to, to have, bring something into our lives. And the attention part can be anything from, you know, just what I call doing the legwork. You know, let's say you want a, a new job where you, you know, you go into indeed.com and, you know, all the other online places and you look for a job. You know, you got to actually look for a job. Whatever it is that you want to manifest, you're probably not going to do it laying on your couch watching TV. You have to put some kind of effort into it, not only to kind of give yourself an idea of what it is that you want, you know, to kind of flesh out the parameters of what you want, but also to put you in the places where what you are trying to manifest will be noticed by you. Mm. you know, for example, like with, with a job, you know, you can lay on your couch and think all you want about what kind of job you'd like to have and, you know, where it might be and all that. But if you're not in the marketplace, no employer is going to come knock on your door and say, hey, I see you laying on the couch there. You want a job? You know, you've got to be in the marketplace where the jobs are being offered. So yes. that's, that's the attention part of manifesting. The intention part, I think, is most easily done through a meditation that's different than what most people think of as meditation. My meditation is you sit quietly staring at a blank wall with your eyes at half mass or even closed if that's more comfortable for you and completely empty your mind of all words, all thoughts, that you know monologue that's always running around in your head, completely empty, dead silence. And step back and watch and be aware of the fact there's dead silence going on in your mind. Eventually, a thought's going to come in. And you're going to see, you're going to hear that thought come in. But you're the observer of the thought. So if you're observing the thought, who's thinking it? Well, the who it, that's thinking it is the human. And so if you can get yourself into the position where you're the observer of human thinking, 
then the observer part of you is the soul part. And that's where you've got the creative power. And that's where you form your intention to, to have or to do whatever it is you want to manifest. Like so in the finding a job situation, you would say, I intend to find a job that's satisfying and commensurate with my skills or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you may have to do it, you know, a number of times. And I have found recently it's best to say, right now. <laughs> I, I intend to manifest this right now. <laughs> right. Well, that actually brings it. So I want to clarify, but that brings up a great question that I actually got from one of my um, audience members too. One, so one, so just so I get this straight, because I know a lot of people are going to be like, I'm trying this right now. Um, when you get into that meditation, you become the observer, you get to the point where you quiet your mind. Um, and for those, those of you who are just, uh, if you're listening and you're just starting out, don't beat yourself up if it takes you a couple sits to get there. Um, or it takes you sitting a little bit longer to get there. Just keep, keep trying. I've been meditating for years now and, um, I can get there fairly easy most days now. But there is still sometimes I'll just have a day where the thoughts are a little bit crazy. Um, so don't don't discourage. It's worth the juice, you know. Um, but then once you get there, you get to that space, you realize you're the observer. Then how do we set the intention as the observer? It, is it just like being in that kind of space where you're you're connected to that part of your, the soul? that from that space, then you actually actively, consciously conjure the thought of I am ready to receive this amazing job that I'm going to love right now, or whatever the thought is we want to put in. We can't contact our souls. We are the souls. Mm. These bodies are just human animals and they're no more sophisticated than dogs or cats or horses or pigs or cows. They have, they have uniform character traits, all the personality, all the creativity, all the quirks and the likes and the dislikes and the character traits that we think belong to a human being are actually our eternal personalities, Mm. souls. So as a soul, we are literally just a character within Source's mind. Source manifested the entire universe. As a little tiny part of that same mind, we can create a little tiny universe of an event or an experience in a human life. So our intention is to create it, to have it, to expect it. We don't yeah. need to connect with anything. We've got the power. Yeah. Right here in our own little invisible hands. <laughs> <laughs> and so on your right now comment, which I, I, I love that, you know, do you believe, because I actually got this question uh, the other day too from something I was talking about, but it's so applicable to this. So just uh, do you believe in or do the message that you received in the afterlife does it correlate with such things as like divine timing? Like, let's say you, the theory 
that if you're sitting on your, you know, you're doing your thing, you've got your attention, you're on Indeed, you're ready to call on that job. And like, is there a possibility that you're not meant to have a job for a certain amount of time? And I'm just using this example, but, and that like, there's like a divine timing of when you're going to get that new job. Or do you believe because we're such powerful creators that for, for that kind of stuff, we get like, we can call it in right now if we tapped into it. I would have to say that I was told when I was taught about manifesting in the afterlife, that there's no such thing as divine timing. That, that, that is part of the human concept of, you know, we're here and God's out there and God Mm. controls our lives. I was taught that we are God. There's no out there to it. It's all in here and we control our lives. So is there, I love this so much. (laughs) Yeah. Is there a possibility that you're not going to get the job that you want until a certain time? Yes. Not because somebody else doesn't want you to have it, but there's no time in the afterlife. You see, when you're using your spiritual powers, you know, one second can be a month in human life, it can be 10 years in human life. So that's why I say, say right now, I want it right now, or I'm going to manifest yeah, it right specific. now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, otherwise, you could be left waiting for a long time if you're um, not a, I'm trying to think of the word, if you're not used to doing conscious manifesting, if you're not a practiced manifester, the more you practice, the faster you get things. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Are there, so, so you're, I love the, these like huge concepts that are being blown up right now around uh, that and also around the law of attraction, right? So you got information in the afterlife, essentially that this law of attraction thing we have is, is not really the thing. So all of the kind of spiritual contracts that say that we have to, um, you know, be in a high vibration connect with our joy and all of that brings us closer to source um, and helps us manifest faster. You're saying you, you, in your experience, you wouldn't agree with. I would say that those are very human ways of thinking about life. You know, humans project what they observe about human behavior onto their deities. So when you experience in human life that uh, you've got to do certain things in order to earn something that you want, that's projected onto source and the afterlife. And it doesn't belong there because source is nothing like a human. So, and when it comes to higher vibration, you know, what I was taught in the afterlife is that we are source. There's no way to have a higher vibration than that. You know, that's all there is. <laughs> right? And wow. we don't need to connect with our joy because we are joy. One of the one of Source's innate character traits and one of the character traits we enjoy in the afterlife 
is joy and bliss. So we are that way naturally if we can kind of push the human personality and human emotions to the side for a little bit. Yeah. And we don't have to get closer to source because we are we source. Are. We are source. And I know this is a completely different way of, of looking at life, but it's it's the truth that source showed me. And it to me, you know, when I got back in this body and I I was remembering all these things, I thought, wow, that just takes an awful lot of the burden off of me. I don't have to figure out how to act in order to please source. I don't have to make the best decision ever, <laughs> you know. You know, I don't have to try to be a certain way or stay on a certain path. I don't have to do any of that stuff. All I have to do is go inside and be me. Wow. Wow. That is so beautiful. And so so on that topic, what what has most significantly shifted in your life since this experience now that you've been kind of living this knowledge? I guess I would have to say that I became a warmer, more, I don't want to say more loving person because I've always been a very loving, empathic person, but I didn't show it. You know, I was so consumed with working and earning money to take care of myself because I knew nobody else would do it that I didn't take care of my friendships. I didn't take care of my family members. I didn't harvest and, and grow and develop the love that I had for other people. And I think most people who knew me before and know me now would say I'm warmer now and more likely to show love. I mean, I tell people that I love them, even if it startles them. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it does. Uh -huh. I love that. <laughs> um, so I wanted I want to hear just a little bit more since it seemed to be the you had three different experiences. Um, do you feel like there was a specific reason why you why you went back that second and third time? To was it to learn more? Or, or no, I died. <laughs> it was just because you died. Yeah, I just died. But you clearly don't want to stay there, Nancy. <laughs> well, here's here's the story. Back. On, yeah, here's the story on that one. The first time I was kind of like tricked into coming back, you know, because you know, I, like I said, I don't know if source sent me source the main part of source sent me back or I sent me back. But the second time, um, I went into the afterlife and I went before what I call my council, and there had been a few near death experiences who described like going before a court or a council or someplace where they were judged. My experience is that that's not, not really judgment, although it, it can come across that way. Like in my second experience, I went back in the afterlife and I literally came before this group of light beings and they told me that I had not um, worked my mission. That, you know, I, I came back here to tell people all this stuff and I wasn't doing it. That that can mm -hmm. feel like judgment, you know. Uh, although I didn't take it that way. I took it as, hey, 
you know, it's like a slap up against the side of the head. Hey, wake up and, and smell the roses. You know, you're not doing what you came back to do. And they told me that the body was dying and that I had a choice. I could come home and stay home, no harm, no foul. You know, wasn't going to be treated as a breach of contract or a disappointment <laughs> or anything like that. Or I could go back and work my mission. But if I went back, I would suffer with Nancy for the rest of her life. So, of course, I said, pick me to suffer. I'll go back. I'll go back. No, I wanted to do my mission. And so I came back. And so what is suffering with Nancy like? Suffering. Um, Nancy's had a, a lot of physical injuries, a lot of diseases. Uh, right now I'm managing stage three metastatic breast cancer, mm-hmm. among other things. Um, one of the side effects of, of having died can be a lot of allergic reactions and I'm allergic to half the world. So it, it really restricts what I can do, what I can eat. You know, it, it makes it hard sometimes to just do the simple things of life. Like I'm allergic to so many toothpastes and hand lotions and, you know, just little things like that. Um, and, you know, the, the losses of loved ones, you know, the, the suffering that all people incarnated into humans suffer. Wow. And I also suffer with the world because, you know, I'm an empath and I feel the grieving and the anger and the disappointment and the hurt all around me. And and that's that's suffering. Yeah. And do you feel that you're does your experience of, of at this point, I've, I've got to believe like full on knowing what is next after this body is done. Um, does that make it easier to deal with, with your health journey and with breast cancer and stuff like that? Does it, obviously I wouldn't imagine it would make the physical suffering and the pain and stuff like that easier, but, it, but is there a an absence of being scared of the eventual end? I'm not afraid of leaving this life. For the first two years after I came back, the first time, all I wanted to do was go home, back to the mm-hmm. afterlife. I did not want to be here at all. Now, I wasn't suicidal, but I was homesick. Yeah. Now, I don't want to suffer <laughs> death. You know, I've died three times, and hallelujah, none of them was, was, well, the second one was pretty much suffering, but not pain. I don't want to go through the human suffering with Nancy, even though I promised her I would do that. <laughs> um, and I keep my word. You know, I wouldn't be here if I didn't keep my word. Well, you also, you mentioned... Uh, I. I think you mentioned too that sometimes when the body is going through such intense suffering before it dies that the soul pops out, right? Yes. Yes. That is that's why I had to promise Nancy I wouldn't do that. Oh, she didn't want you to pop out. She... <laughs> no. Oh man. 
Um, but yes, we can we can choose not to feel the suffering, and that's why I'm sure there are you know people in your audience who have had the experience of feeling like the soul left the body before the body died. Mm. You know, yeah, you can, like you can just kind of feel when you know there's nobody home in a body. Yeah, I felt that. I felt I felt that a bit with uh, with my grandma. I the the morning that she passed. I when I I got to say goodbye via FaceTime because we're not allowed to go into the hospital with COVID and stuff, even though she didn't pass from COVID. Um, but after I said my goodbyes, I was kind of in the meditation space and like tuning into her energy. Uh, I felt like she went and my parents actually also experienced that too, where they had just had this like feeling um, that she had gone, you know, maybe, maybe about 15 minutes or so before her body like officially was done. Yeah. I'm so uh, sorry you lost your grandmother. Thank you. It's okay though. This all, I mean, it's, it's thrown me on this beautiful journey to discover so much of this. And so you know, she, she guided me so much, uh, in life and, and she led me onto some really incredible information in death. So, um, all of this, I think also just, I hope I know so many people are going through grief this year. I've had so many clients lose loved ones this year. And I, that's why I think your message is so important. You know, while there's, you know, I, you know, I'm going to have you talk a little bit more before we end on the manifestation component, because I know a lot of people are really curious. And that was such a theme for you and your experience. But, you know, this, this, this concept or this, you know, this truth, and I, I really believe, you know, like when I read, when I was reading your book, and, and I think when I hear you speak, and when people listen to this podcast, there is that there's there's a part of us that that feels it as as truth as deeper truth um and i think that people that have lost people in their physical form this year um will feel comfort in knowing that this is um this is where they're at that they're in and you call it the afterlife um some people call it the in-between life, right? Well, I think if your focus is on incarnation, you would call it that. My focus yeah. is on eternal life. Yeah. So, yeah, so it makes sense. It would be the afterlife. And now, yeah. did, did you find any knowledge um, there about when souls come in, like when a soul comes in through um, – uh, through you know through the when it's a baby <laughs> um, yes. through yes. the embryo and whatnot is yes. there yes tell us <laughs> uh, and this is in my second book which is called backwards guidebook I've got five books okay I, I'm on to that next but I guys <laughs> okay. I cannot stress enough how mandatory reading for all of you guys listening this is it's it's just so good well thank you um, it took me five books to to download everything you know from that I'd learned in the afterlife and experience there and put it in words on paper but anyway 
in terms of when the soul enters the fetus, it can be any time. It depends a lot upon the individual soul and how experienced they are in entering, you know, incarnating into humans. If they have a lot of experience, they may wait until, you know, not that long before birth. If they have very little experience, they may join the, the fetus in an earlier stage. Or if the soul feels like this particular body that they're going to be entering is going to need a little more um, time to get used to, you know, the soul being in there, um, they may enter earlier. So there's no no set time when soul enters uh, a fetus. But I was told in the afterlife that because I asked you know, about abortion and miscarriage, that if a particular human body doesn't work out for a soul, they just enter into another one. See, I was told we don't pick the body, we pick the parents. Oh, I was going to ask you this. Yeah. Do you think yeah. that they, they do, do the, does the soul kind of observe or try to communicate with any of the parents before it comes in? I don't know about communicating, but I did see that we preview the kinds of things that would happen during a life if, you know, we pick parents, you know, we pick mom and dad, and they're going to have, you know, a child that reflects, you know, their values and their lifestyle and their genetics. And we get to see a little bit of what that life could be like based upon those parameters. And in fact, when we have that feeling of deja vu, mm -hmm. oh, I've done this before, that's, that moment is something we saw in that preview in the afterlife before we incarnated. That's why we recognize it. Wow. That, that's why it feels like we've done it before. Ah, I've had so many of those deja vu moments. I love that. Yeah. Um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so that we, we get sneak previews before we decide which parents. Yeah, but like I said, we, we pick the parents, not the child. So if a particular fetus miscarries, we just show up in the next one yeah or one two children later or whatever and if those particular parents don't have any more children we may pick different parents wow 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 so much so much to unpack <laughs> That's why it took me five books to do it. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm like, I can't ask possibly all the questions. What is, so, so then the title of uh, her first book and, and the series is Backwards, right? And so what do you, what do you think are, is like the biggest thing that, that we got backwards? That we are down here and God is up there and we have to earn our way to God by following rules that keep changing and we don't know what they are and that 
God controls our lives and can punish us if we do things wrong. None of that exists. That's all backwards. That's human thinking based upon what humans have seen other humans act like. Yeah. And and what do you think we have back? We already kind of talked about this, but is there any other anything else you'd like to share about what you downloaded around manifestation that you think people need to hear right now? Well, just that, you know, I get a lot of email and YouTube comments expressing frustration over why painful things happen to people. You know, they feel like victims and their life just happens to them without their consent. And even worse than that, they feel powerless to change their lives. You know, we all see good people suffering and bad people prospering and ask, how can loving God allow life to be so unfair? And the answer is, it's not unfair, it's free will. We each have the identical, exact same ability to manifest a better life for ourselves. We just have to exercise that power. And my, I think it's my last book is called Create a New Reality, Move Beyond Law of Attraction Theory. And it's everything I can remember learning about manifesting. And I, I wrote the book last because it took me years to gather the manifesting stories from my readers <laughs> that I put mm -hmm. in there. <laughs> wow. So it's, it's got a lot of examples in there to show, you know, how to do it. Great. Well, I'll put, definitely put that link below as well. Um, and I'm excited to dive into that one myself once I make my way through the whole series. Um, so incredible. So incredible. Uh, Nancy, I can't even tell you what an honor it is to have you on the podcast. I'm just, you know, I know I'm still processing all the information. I can't wait to re-listen to this episode. <laughs> Um, and all of the different nuggets that you just dropped so, so casually. Um, and I'm so glad that you decided to come back and, you know, I, I'm sad that you have to suffer, but I, I am eternally grateful that you're sharing this message and sharing the truth, um, because gosh, we need it. We need to hear it. Um, yeah, any final, any final statement before I let you go? Thank you so much for talking with me and letting me fulfill my mission. Oh, well, it was my, my honor, a pleasure to have you, and we're happy to have you back here whenever you want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's a deal. Awesome. Thank you.